We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. talk then tonight again and time has really really ran away from us tonight so I'm going to give you a message in a nutshell but I want to talk tonight again about it's all about me but on this thought the story of my life what has become the story of my life we've heard those words said so many times how many oh, that's the story of my life, whether it's in Walmart and we think we're picking the shortest lane and then all of a sudden the light comes on because, you know, price check and you're like, oh, happens to me all the time. What about in traffic when you're stuck in one lane and you see the other moving and moving and moving and moving and moving and moving? So you think, well, this is ridiculous and you switch lanes and all of a sudden the lane you were in just goes, 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 and you go, that is just typical. That is just the story of my life. You know, here's the amazing thing. We are almost prophesying over our life. When we begin to claim that's the story of our life, we begin to claim things that I believe are not God's plans for our lives. We've got to be very careful because there is creation in the words that we speak and we haven't got time to go into great detail, but we know that God spoke and the worlds were created. We literally can create the world that we live in by the words and the way we speak. That's the story of my life. That's the story of your life. But you know what? The true, what truly is the question tonight. What truly is the story of your life? What is the sum product of your life? Not what you think, because a lot of times what we think our life is, sometimes reality can be so different. You know what? I've been having a lot of reality checks in my life because there's a lot of things that I've thought for years in my life that I'm good at this or I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of calm with this and just different things. And you know what? God's been showing me that there's changes that need to be made, that maybe the ideals of things that I thought I had it all together and, you know, I was good on this and, and I need work and that. But, you know, I've discovered that I need work in a lot of areas that I thought I was doing pretty well on. Come on. And it's as I get closer to God and as, as I desire to see God more, you know what happens? I begin to see my weaknesses and my failures more and the more I need to trust and rely on God. So what is the story of your life? Not what you think it is. Not the image, the mask that you put up there. But what beneath all that really are you? What really is the story of your life? And you know, for some of us, that's a hard reality to face. That we look and we can say, you know, I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I'm, uh, I'm a pessimist. I'm, I'm this and that. There's things that need to change. There's strongholds in my life that I need to break. We've got to be real with ourselves because only when we are real with ourselves can God really begin to move 
in our lives. And I know I've used this scripture before, but I want you to turn to it, to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. And it says these words, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I like that. God says you can be filled with all the fullness that I have. How many knows that there's so much of God that you can be filled and stuffed to absolutely overflowing? How many would say that you're even close to being filled with the fullness of God? We've got a long way to go, haven't we? But God says we can be filled with the fullness of God. Now what does it say in verse 20? Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. So the two things that we see in these verses are these. What are we filled with and what is the power that's within us? I want you to think about that. What am I filled with and what is the power that's within me? Because you see, the power that's within me, that which rules inside of me, is that which is going to determine what I'm going to be filled with. Are you with me tonight? What rules inside of me? If negativity is the power of my life, And the story of my life. You know what's going to be the fullness of my life? You know what I'm going to be filled with? Negativity. If depression is the power, if fear, if anxiety, if worry, if insecurities, if everything not of God is the power that's ruling in my life. Oh, but pastor, I'm a child of God and God lives inside of me and I'm a temple of the living God and God dwells there and all that. You know what? Perhaps it's a good job that many of us have a sign outside of the church. Because on the inside, you wouldn't know that it really is a church of God. Because you see, the power that's inside of us is going to determine the filling that we have because we will be filled according to the power. So if God's power is not working in us, if God's power is not evident in us, you know what? We're not going to be filled with the fullness of God and the blessings of God. You see, the wrong power will be the wrong filling. And the wrong filling equals the wrong results and actions in our lives. And you and I must guard that power. David is a great example. I love David. David is one of my favorite people in the Word of God. And and I love David so much. But remember the time when Samuel came, the prophet. And I know we haven't got time to go into great detail. But remember, David was forgotten. It was an important event that the prophet came and asked to have a barbecue with, 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 you know, Jesse and his family. I mean, this was a big deal. And Samuel asked for all the boys to be there, but they didn't even consider David important enough to come. You see, everyone forgot David, but not God. You see, everyone else saw a young boy. The Bible says that he was ruddy, redhead. He had bright eyes. He was a good looking, but everyone saw him as just a little boy. Oh, there's little David. But you see, God saw David as his champion. But you see, what did David had to do? David had to guard his heart in that situation. What do you mean by that, Pastor? He had to shield and protect his heart because he could have got bitter and resentful for the fact that he was forgotten. He could have got bitter and resentful at the fact that this is an important day and I wasn't even considered. You didn't even ask me. What is the deal? You see, one thing you're going to realize is life is not always fair. Some of the harvests that you reap in your life are the results of someone else's seeds. 
Come on, it's not just the seeds that you sow. We sometimes have to live with some of the consequences of other people's actions and their choices and decisions. Life is unfair sometimes. And it's tough. But in the middle of it, we've got to realize we've got to start guarding our hearts. Because if we don't, the story of our life is going to be all wrong. Because wrong power equals wrong results. But David said, hold on, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be resentful. That's not going to be the story of my life. Why? Because God has anointed me to be a king. You know, the Bible says that we're kings and priests. God has anointed us to be kings and priests. But you see, bitterness will take us out of the running. David said, hold on, I'm going to protect my heart. That's not going to be my story. Bitterness, resentment, anger, frustration. That's not what's going to design my life. David, just like each one of us, had to refuse those external things that were out of his control. That he had to refuse to allow those external things to begin to design and become the power of God that worked inside of him. How many of us allow the things around us to begin to fashion the God that reigns inside of us? Now, I know there's going to be a struggle here because God's word tells us. Listen to this. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10 says this. The heart is deceitful. Come on, this is God's words. He's saying there is a problem. You've got to guard your heart because the heart is very deceitful. Literally means it can be very misleading. Has anyone ever been misled by your heart? It doesn't take much, does it? It can be very misleading. It can even make you believe something that is true. That is really false. I'm in love with that person. No, you're not. But our heart can make us believe that. I really want that. No, you really don't. But our heart can make us begin to believe and mislead us. So we know the heart is deceitful. Read on. It says it's deceitful above all things. And is desperately wicked. Literally sick or incurably sick. And then it goes on to say, who can know it? That word, who can know it there, we can look and say, well, who can know? It's desperately sick. There's no hope. That's not what it means there, because God is not excluded from that statement, who can know it? Well, how do we know that? Because as we read verse 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. The New Living Translation says, I know, but I know. Say that with me, but I know. God knows what's in the heart. It says, I search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Why have we got to guard our heart? Why have we got to keep our heart? Why does that power have to be evident in our life that it flows out of us? Because of this verse. Because it says in the New Living Translation, God says, I know the heart is deceitful. I know it's wicked. I know it's sick. And I know it has problems. But the Lord said, I search all hearts and I examine every secret motive. And I give to all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God makes it clear why we sin and what the problem is. It's a matter of the heart. That's why we struggle. That's why we have problems. It's the heart. And because of that, and therefore... What becomes the story of our life as a result of that? You see, in mankind, our heart is inclined towards sin from the time we were born. You don't have to teach a kid to say, so, to say no. 
You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. Unfortunately, it comes naturally. It's the sin nature. Therefore, it's easy, you see, for us, the Bible tells us, to fall into the routine of forgetting and forsaking God. That we can put our hearts elsewhere. But you know what? God has given us an ability that we can choose still whether to sin or not in our lives. We can't say, well, who knows the heart? The heart's deceitful. That's it. We know that God has given us the ability to choose whether we're going to succumb to those temptations and yield to them or we're going to ask God to help us to resist those temptations that we would be victorious over them. You see, you and I must guard our hearts because our hearts are going to determine the story of our life. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues, sets the boundaries of life, is another translation. The Message Bible says, keep vigilant watch over your heart, because that's where life starts. I'm going to add something. I know God's Word says we shouldn't add to it, but I'm going to add something tonight. Where it says, keep vigilant watch over your heart, because that's where life starts. You know what? That's where life can also end. Come on, that's where life can also end, our heart. The power that's ruling and reigning in us. Tonight, quickly, I want to look at three key areas to determine the power that's operating within you. What is the state of your heart? What is the story of your life? Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter 16, verse 5 through 9. We're going to read a few scriptures here, and we're trying to hurry tonight so we can get you out on time. But Psalms 16, verse 5 through 9, it's a great passage of scripture. David writes these words, O Lord, you are the portion of of my inheritance, and you are my cup. You maintain my lot. In other words, God, you take care of everything that is mine. Aren't you glad that God takes care of your lot? That lot can be your house. That's what you build a house on, your lot. God's taking care of your house. God's taking care of your future, your finance, your family. God says, I can take care of the lot. Everything. God says, I will maintain My lot. Do you maintain my lot, David says. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Isn't this nice? I like it. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel, who has guided me. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Or the new living says, even at night, my heart still instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. The New Living Translation says, I will not be shaken because he is right beside me. Therefore, verse 9, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. What a great passage dealing with the joys and the benefits of a life lived in companionship with God. But notice what verse 7 says again. I will bless the Lord who has given me his counsel. I will bless the Lord who guides my life. But notice what it says. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. So here's the first point that we want to look at to see how's your heart. What's the story of your life? Point number one. How does your heart instruct you in the nighttime? You know, as Christians, we love to live on the mountaintops, don't we? But one thing we fail to realize, on each side of the mountaintop is a valley. 
We want to live there, but we're not going to stay there. We're going to go through a valley to get there, and we're going to go through a valley after we've left there. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be high times and low times. Am I preaching to anyone, or does no one know what I'm talking about? It's going to be times in our spiritual walk that we're going to even look at God and say, God, you've left me. You've forsaken me. You've let me down. Come on, be honest with me tonight. Come on. We're in the house of God. So how do you respond during those night times? You know, it's not all green pastures and still waters. That's verse 1 of Psalms 23, Bill. But it goes on in verse 4 and says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. Can we go back to the green pastures and the still waters? I like that a little bit better. God says, no, just keep walking. And on the other end of the green pastures and the still waters, there's going to be a valley of the shadow of death. But the promise is, I won't leave you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm going with you. And you know what? As we've talked so many times, God clearly tells us it's a through walk. When the disciples got in the boat, they failed to remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. If Jesus said we're going to the other side, no storm's going to stop us. If Jesus says we're going to be an overcomer, come on, no storm can stop us. But how is our heart instructing us in the storm time? How is our heart leading us through those times? You see, when things don't fall according to our plan, can we still trust His plan? Can our heart still fully trust in God? It's easy to trust God when everything's going good, but come on, the night times are a whole lot different. The night seasons, the storms, the cancer, the tumors, all these situations, the x-rays that don't look good, the bills that are coming in and no money to pay them. Come on, it's easy to praise God when everything's going good, but how is our heart faring when the night time comes? Unfortunately, you know what? Many of us lose heart. Many of us lose heart. Josh read the scripture tonight from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 9. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He's just backing up again what he's saying. The power that's inside of us is what's going to be the outcome of our lives. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen to this, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, in due time. Come on, it's coming. Say that with me. It's coming. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Or if we don't lose heart. Come on, we've got to keep our heart. We've got to guard our heart. Because in the night time, so often we let it go. How you respond to the night seasons determines or perhaps reveals the power that's in us. Then showing us what we're really filled with. We'll never really know who we are in God while we're on the mountain. But we'll know who we are in God and perhaps how far away we are when we're in the night times. But come on, our heart has to lead us in the night time. Our heart has to lead us on. And can I say this? Not all darkness is of the devil. Come on, we need to realize that. We blame him for everything. But you know what? Some of the darknesses of our lives is our doing. We, we turn the lights off. We're the ones that do it. But you know what? Even still, God can use the darkness, even of our mistakes, Phil, and our shortcomings. God can use the darkness because that brings about a new day. God's day is darkness tonight. That means that God doesn't end in gloom, doom and despair and no hope. God says, I can take no hope and I can make a ray of hope. I can make a new day. I can make fresh opportunities. I can use the darkness to demonstrate my power and presence in your life. But we've got to watch our heart doesn't mislead us. How many times have we heard people say, well, I'm lonely? And you know know what they do? They then begin to shack up with someone. 
Excuse the terminology, but that's what they say. And they say, well, it's just because I'm lonely. And and by the way, everyone else is doing it, so what's wrong with it? You know what? For one thing, that's the biggest lie because not everyone else is doing it. But you know, one thing I've learned in life is if everyone else is doing it or a whole lot of people are doing it and it's the popular thing to do, oftentimes it's the wrong thing to do because we live in a sin-dominated world today. You know, so, so we look and our heart can lead us wrong in the night times. Well, I'm lonely. No one likes to be lonely, but we're going to watch that we don't make lonely decisions when we're lonely, when we're hurt and we can't make hurt decisions because we'll reap hurt rewards. How is our heart instructing us? Well, you know what? I was just hurting and, you know, and I, I needed to drown my sorrows and pain. It was just a couple of drinks. It was nothing major. You know, in other, you know, in other churches and stuff, pastors are drinking now and, and ministers are drinking and they're talking about it. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of alcohol. You know what? A little bit of alcohol never stops a little bit of alcohol. It progresses and grows. An alcoholic didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an alcoholic. He became an alcoholic one drink at a time. And you know what? He said that would never happen to me. Because if he knew what would have happened as a result of taking that first drink, he would have never taken that first drink because no one likes to see a family destroyed. No one wants to be a part of that. No one wants to see emptiness, gloom, doom, and despair. Brittany was just telling me today, she was working at Oshna today, and in the ICU there was a young guy that has drunk himself, and he is dying because his liver is packed up. He's drunk so much. So sad, so sad. You see, we mustn't live by man's way. We must live according to biblical principles, foundational truths from God's word. Well, pastor, we love each other. So as long as we're having safe sex, it's okay. You see, we've got it wrong. It's not safe sex. It's save sex. It's not A-S-A-F-E, safe sex. It's save sex, S-A-V-E. What do you mean? Save sex for the boundaries of marriage and where God wants it to be. You see, we've got to watch how our heart instructs us because you know what? It can cause us to live in a way that's not pleasing to God. Come on, how does your heart instruct you in the night times? The second point we've got to look at is, well, what really is the story of my life? That's the second point. What is the story of the life? What is that which defines my life? What is the theme that screams out for me? Psalms 45 verse 1 says, my heart is overflown with a good theme. God says, I can place a heart inside of you that's got a good theme that's coming about you. You know, a story is a story because it's based on a theme. Everyone agree? There has to be a theme. There has to be a subject. There has to be a topic. That's the theme. And as you write about the theme, it becomes a story. You know what's the theme of many people's life? I'm destined to fail. Everything I do comes, you know, everything I do never comes to anything. I'm always the last to be chosen. I'll never get a job. I'll never find someone to marry me. Have you thought about that? I'll never find someone to marry me. I don't blame them. Come on, if that's the theme of your life, if that's the topic of your life, that's going to become the story of your life. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be depressed. Perhaps we need to change the theme of our hearts And then we'll change the story of our life. And really, it's not perhaps. We need to change the theme of our lives because it will change the story of our life. You see, your theme comes from your power source. If God is the theme of your life, the story of your life is going to be God. If the theme of your life is to live for God and to be pleasing to God and to serve God with everything you have, you know what the story of your life is? It's going to be a beautiful picture of blessing. Oh, there's going to be hardships and trials. But you know what? God's going to sustain you through those and bring you through. 
You see, your theme comes from your power source, which in turn determines the story of your life. If you are constantly showing up at the scene of an accident, you're the only common denominator. Huh? We need to change the theme of our lives. And lastly, the quality of our relationships will determine where our heart is. We're talking about where our heart is. What is the power? Because the power is that which is filling us. And what's filling us is what's going to come out of us, be the actions of our life. So we're looking and we're turning around and saying, well, how am I when things aren't going well? How do I respond? Is my heart leading me in the right way? What's the theme and the story of my life? And then we begin to look and say, what is the quality of my relationships? It's amazing how many times this thought has come up as we've been talking about it's all about me. In insecurities, we talked about how people push people away because when people try to give affirmation and praise, insecurity will say, oh, they don't really believe that and it will block all affirmation. It will block you. It will isolate you. Come on, that's what insecurities want to do. It will be unable to make or make you, as we looked at finding security in God, we realized if our security and identity is not in God, we'll be unable to really fully enjoy the power of intimacy. On Sunday, we talked about worry. And we talked about one of the outcomes of worry as well as hurting you physically is it hurts your relationships. No one wants to be around a warrior. No one wants to be around negative. Remember we talked about that's what caller ID was invented for. People don't want to be around that. We've talked about it so many times. Water finds its own level. It's amazing. We think we've got it all good and then we wonder why we're trapped in all this filth around us and we get so discouraged about it. And sometimes we can be attracting people because we're the light of the world. But unfortunately, I believe most of the time Christians attract people is not because people come to them for the right answers like they should. I believe most time we attract people because people see something inside of us that they can feel comfortable because they can associate because they see a mirror image of themselves. You see, that's become the story of our life. That's become the image. Our heart is wrong. The power is wrong. Therefore, the feeling is wrong. And everything is wrong. The people around you are sometimes the greatest reflection of what you are inside. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Come on, you see, we need to realize that in our lives, as I close tonight, there are going to be night seasons. How's our heart going to respond? There's going to be themes that we don't like in our lives, and there's going to be things, but you know what? We've got to change the theme so the story is going to be right. We've got to refuse the themes that Satan wants to throw at us and say, well, this is how you are, and this is. And we can begin to believe those things and feast on them. Then what happens? They become the story of our life. We've got to shut down those themes and change them. And then we've got to realize the quality of our relationships. We need to watch a man. We've got to watch the friendships and the things that we keep around us. Why? Because you know what? Friends, yes, they can take us to Jesus, but there's also friends that can take us away from Jesus. I want to be around people that can take me to Jesus. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his ways. Listen to this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, basically meaning your heart is like a compass, Bill. It plans your way, it directs your way. But then it goes on to say, a man's heart is the compass, but God directs your steps. But listen to this, but your heart sets your course. Your heart sets the course of your life. God directs the steps, 
but he directs it according to the compass, to this course that your heart has been set. Come on, tonight, what really is the story of your life? Because the story of your life is determined upon the state of your heart. And the state of your heart is determined upon the power that lives inside of you. And the power that lives inside of you is what you're filled with. And what you're filled is with what becomes the story of your life. Come on, it's all about me. Come on, we need to set some things straight. We need to get our hearts right. We need to catch ourselves when we start saying, I always get, I stop that foolishness. Stop speaking that over your life. Well, I'm always, no, you're not. Change the theme and change the story. Watch the relationships you keep. Watch how your heart instructs you in the night seasons. Because remember this, as Josh said tonight, it may not always go by your plan. But in the nighttime, you've got to trust his plan. Because his plan is true. You know, when they say when you fly an airplane at night, it's an incredible thing because you can be flying upside down and not almost realize. But you've sometimes got to trust the dials. That you can look and they find the horizon and you've got to follow those. And sometimes you can think that's not right and you try and go your own way and you can literally almost be flying upside down. You know what? You've got to trust the dials. There's times in your life that you may think you know best, but come on, you've got to trust the dials. You've got to trust God. Because what you may think is out of line, if you line it up with God's word, you're going to be on course every time. And you're not going to suffer. You're not going to fail. Come on. Change the theme so we'll change the story. Would you stand with me tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. You're so awesome. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.